Good evening. Try it again. Good evening. evening. Thank you. Uh, It's good to worship with you. I always forget how much fun that is to hear just a room full of women's voices together. It's pretty awesome. Makes my heart happy. Um, Oh, if I haven't met you, my name is Laura. Uh, Laura Scher. I work at uh, Salem Alliance Church as one of the pastors there. Um, I've worked there for, I don't know, a long time. Um, Since I can remember. I've gone there for over 30 years. Um, It's been my church home. When my husband and I started dating, we needed a, a place that made sense for both of us. And so this is where we landed, and we've been here ever since. It's been a joy to be a part of this family. Um, so I'll just tell you a teeny bit about me, and then we're just gonna we're gonna dive in together. Um, so as I mentioned, thirty plus years at Sam Alliance, dating Nate. Uh, we've been married almost thirty years. Uh, I can't actually do math, so thirty um, something something something. Okay. Um, uh, we have two kids. Malia's twenty four. She just started law school at Willamette this fall, so she lives in Salem, just down. Yeah, a couple miles from us, which is great to have my daughter in town. Uh, I have a son named Travis. He is 22. He got married um, a little over a year ago to Elizabeth, so I now have three kids, which is super, super fun to have another daughter. Her name is Elizabeth, and they live in Indiana. Um, He's studying cello there, and they're now applying for their master's programs who knows where, so... Um, I like to I, I like to travel, uh, so that's that's fun, and so I don't mind if my kids um, don't end up here, and so we'll see where they land. So that's just a little bit about me. Um, this weekend we are going to be talking about um, God's love for us, in particular our bodies, and um, the good news of Jesus for us as women in bodies. Um, But before we launch in, um, I want us to practice something. So throughout the weekend, we are going to practice what I call listening prayer. So the kind of prayer where I'm not just talking at God, but I'm asking God questions. I'm paying attention to the different ways that he might um, get my attention, uh, whisper something to me, um, respond to me. And so I want to practice that tonight because sometimes I think we make listening to God um, more mysterious than it actually is. Um, So he's in all of what we've been doing here. And so would you think just for a moment of the last three songs that we sang? And did something grab your heart? Did something speak to you? It could have been even a sound or a vibration or a lyric or an idea that came because of what we were singing. Did something grab your attention? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to be brave, and I want you to turn to somebody next to you and say, hey, here's what grabbed my attention as we worshiped, okay? Ready, set, go.
Thanks for doing that. It's just practicing listening to God. Um, We're going to do it throughout the weekend, and you're going to hear him in here. You're going to hear him maybe in your dreams tonight. You're going to hear him as you walk on the beach. You're going to hear him in conversation because he's just always with us. Um, So thanks for taking that risk of sharing what you might have heard tonight in worship. Okay, so as I said, we're going to talk about our bodies. Are you ready? (laughs) Yeah, I heard some. Yes, okay, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. Um, What does the good news of the gospel of Jesus have to do with my body? In particular, some of the struggles that I face in this body, about this body. So things like, um, how about my obsession with how I look? or my weight? Does, does God have anything to say about that? Can he help me with that? How about my relationship with food? Um, how about the anxiety and the stress that I hold in my body? What does Jesus want to do with that, or say about that, or meet me in that? What about sexuality? How do I make sense of my desires, my lack of desire, my unwanted desire, my sexual history, my sexual traumas. What does Jesus have to say about all the things that happen in and around and about our bodies? So that is our topic this weekend. And I'm really glad to be here with you. Um, Not because I'm an expert, but because I have a body and I love Jesus, okay? So we get to do this together. Um, So there's gonna be teaching. We're gonna do some small group discussion. We'll start that tonight and Morgan's got a plan for that. Um, We're gonna do, we'll do some guided prayer, listening prayer. We'll do some journaling and solitude uh, and then worship and breakouts. So that's what this weekend holds, including laughter, food, fun, walks, and all of that. All right, and I should probably say hi to, we've got people like joining us on live stream, right? Where do I look, Ben? Oh, there we go. Hey, everyone on live stream, I'm glad you're here with us. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we can't wait to hear what your conversation is like. So how many people, Morgan, do we have? Like 10. 10? And then there's even like uh, going to be a meeting, uh, small group stuff, right? Okay, that's awesome. Um, in fact, everybody stand up and just, will you wave and say hi to our friends on live stream? Yep. All right. Thanks for doing that. Okay, uh, question for you tonight. Anybody here like gardening? Anybody? Yeah, quite a few. Okay. Um, favorite flower that you like to plant? Daffodils, Daphne. Okay. Favorite vegetable that you like to plant and eat and tomato. Okay. Tomato soup season. Isn't that the best, right? End of August, September, roast the tomatoes. Yep. I won't go any further, but yes. Okay. So many of us like to garden. I'm sure most of us like to be in a garden or look at a garden or be in nature and enjoy it. Here's uh, where I want to go with this. It seems that God likes gardens too. Because in this book of ours, this story of God and man, the story actually starts with a garden and it also ends with the same garden, a garden that seems to be very important to God. So the original called Eden in chapter two of Genesis. And then we have Eden restored in Revelation 22. The book ends of our story both have a garden called Eden. So tonight I want to start by hanging out in that garden for a bit. You're going to have to use your imaginations, okay? Can you, can you do that with me? All right. 
Um, typically, when I'm using my imagination, I prefer to close my eyes so I'm not distracted. And what we're going to do is we're going to hang out in Eden as I describe what the Bible says about it. So I'd love for you to get into a comfortable posture. Close your eyes. Take a couple of deep breaths. As I describe, just let your imagination go wild and you can go beyond even these words, but what might Eden be like? First thing we know is there's all sorts of trees there. They're beautiful and they produce delicious fruit. So trees dripping with all kinds of fruit. Can you imagine the colors, the smells? Go grab one and taste it. I'm thinking about peaches right now, ripe, heavy, <laughs> yes, okay. Uh, another thing we know about Eden is um, that God created the wild animals there and the birds of the sky of all kinds. They were probably quite safe to be around as Adam was naming them. Imagine the sounds and the sights being able to hold or touch one of your favorite animals. And Eden Restored is described like this. It has a river with the water of life, clear as crystal. This river is flowing from the throne of God. On each side of the river grows a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. And the leaves of this tree are used for the medicine to heal nations. Just take a second to imagine that kind of a tree. Leaves that heal. next thing we know about this place is that there's no night. There is no need for lamps or sun because God is there and he shines on them. Stay there for a minute in this beautiful, peaceful place. How does it feel to be there? Any words you would use to describe it? Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's good to be in the Garden of Eden. And you can come back here with me if you want. Uh, two things I want to notice about this place uh, from the scriptures we know that God is present in Eden. Okay, so in Genesis 2, uh, we know that God walks in the garden in the cool of the evening. And we know that he actually talks with Adam and Eve. He is 
manifest. He is present physically in this garden. Revelation 22, he's present there on the throne. He is the light. In fact, it says that they, can, they will see his face in the restored Eden. God is present in the garden. Second thing I want us to know about this very important garden is that it's a place of freedom. In the restored Eden, it says there will no longer be a curse on anything. Is that good news or what? No longer a curse, a place of freedom. And in Genesis chapter 2, it says that Adam and his wife were naked and unashamed. A place of freedom from shame. Two things we need to know about this very important garden. So this garden is important to God. It's the bookend of this story. Both bookends at the front and at the back. But it only takes up not even a page of content. If you put those two passages together, they're quite short. So notice with me that we've got a lot going on here, right? Okay, so there's a lot of storyline uh, between the two gardens. And in fact, most of the story happens outside of the garden. And you know why, right? Adam and Eve, they make the faithful decision to disobey God. God banishes them from the garden. They cannot return. Here's what I want us to notice, though. Is that God doesn't say, I really like this garden that I made. <laughs> I'm going to stay here. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Go on your way. He actually doesn't do that. We know that God goes with them into the rest of the story. Our Emmanuel, God with us, is present in the rest of this story. And this, the pages here, are the story of God with man in the real life stop, the outside of Eden experiences of life. So <laughs> there's a helpful theology that kind of lines up with what we're describing and seeing here. And it comes from Hebrews chapter 13. Um, it says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're seeing this play out as we look at the garden, that God in the garden wanted to be present with man, walking and talking with Adam and with Eve. That God of restored Eden is there, present, and God outside of the garden is present in every part of this story. That is a character trait of God that doesn't change even when someone gets banished from a wonderful, amazing place. God with us. And this theology can be carried also to the next thing that we noticed about the garden. It's a place of freedom. God of the garden steps outside of Eden with us and still offers freedom from shame even in the outside of the garden, life and experience. Let's put it this way. Melissa, can you put it on the screen? It was God's original design and desire for his creation to be naked and unashamed. And that design and desire has not changed. It remains same yesterday, today, and forever. And yet, here we are, all of us wearing clothes, okay? Thank you, thank you, please continue. Um, 
And uh, I'm assuming all of us struggling with shame in some way, in particular about our bodies, because shame just keeps showing up, doesn't it? The struggle is real. So let's, let's talk about shame for a little bit here. And I'm just going to share some of my shame, how it shows up in my life about my body. Uh, first way, I have mirrors in my bathroom. Anybody else have mirrors in your bathroom? Yeah, okay. I also do take my clothes off to take a shower. So I end up standing in front of these mirrors at times looking at the naked me. That's where shame shows up. I'm not very nice when I'm looking in the mirror like that. You feel me? <laughs> Can you relate? I look and I start thinking out, how come this is actually bigger than this? How did that happen? And I, you know, I just go down the list of things that I'm not like and sometimes hating about what I see in the mirror. That's how shame shows up in my house. Um, how about cravings? Um, boons. Cajun tots. Anybody? 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 Yep, 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 yep. Okay. So for me, though, I don't have the skill set where you can actually order um, a whole basket and only eat like five or 10 or 15. I, that's never happened for me. Can, can anybody here do that, actually? Okay. So if I order it, I eat it, um, which, you know, that's not evil or anything. But shame shows up in how I think about myself after I've eaten the whole basket. I feel gross in so many ways for multiple reasons, not just because my belly hurts, okay? Shaming myself for what I've just eaten, uh, what I might have looked like to the person I'm sitting with, okay? Shame shows up in my food and my cravings. Uh, how else does shame show up? Well, I went to a wedding about a month ago um, that was with really fancy people. And I'm not very fancy. Um, so I was like, oh, it'll be fine. I, I'm sure I'll figure out what to wear. And the day of the wedding, I go to my closet and I pick out like the one dress that's kind of fancy and I put it on. I'm like, okay, it zipped. Yes. Um, but then shame shows up because it, you know, zipped, right? It was pretty tight. Um, and then I start going, okay, it, it's not the right dress for this occasion. And all these people know what kind of, uh, you know, all the thoughts. No, Laura, you can do this. No big deal. You, you got this. Walk into this fancy place. And it was, I, it was a battle the whole time for me to not be comparing and looking at that dress and that person and that body. Um, shame, shame showed up. Um, I fought the good fight, but it was there um, just barking at me. Um, and then, of course, Every good wedding has a dance floor and a DJ. And I grew up in a house where dancing is evil. So I didn't learn how to move my body in that way. But I, oh, I always want to. Um, so friend gets me out on the dance floor. And I'm just, I'm the, you guys, I'm the most awkward dancer ever. And people are like, you have rhythm. Yeah, I do. It's still awkward. I'm awkward rhythmically on the dance floor. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, shame showed up. Yeah, you're no fun. You can't dance. Last example I'll use. I want so desperately to be wanted, to be desired. And there my husband sits on the couch. He's a sweet man. He works really, really hard. After a long, hard day of work, he's watching a game and snoring at the same time. Did you know you could do that? 
Oh, it's not just our house. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Shame shows up in my head thinking, well, if I was sexier, more desirable, maybe he wouldn't be snoring. Maybe he wouldn't be watching the game. Okay? Shame shows up in a lot of different ways. Just some examples from my life. How does it show up for you? I want you to be thinking about that. And as we read on in our story to Genesis chapter 3, we know why. It's called the curse. The result of Adam and Eve listening to the temptations of a serpent. And in early on in the story of humanity, we learn that there is a serpent whose mission it is to get in the way of the designs and the desires of God. So the struggle is real. Shame shows up. And for this reason, it can feel impossible to imagine that we could have experiences of being naked and unashamed. But here's what I'm going to say to you this weekend, a lot of times in a lot of different ways. uh, Your God is the God, God of the garden today. He is the same yesterday, today, forever. Eden, the rest of the story, the restored Eden, Revelation 22. And his design and desire is for you. His creation, his daughter, his beloved, to be free of shame. So that's what this weekend is about. Um, And I'm going to be asking us some questions about what it could look like for us to more fully trust and experience these designs and desires of God for us and for our bodies, and maybe even for us to more fully trust our desires with him. So here's what I want to do next. I want to do actually a body scan, okay? We're going to do this periodically because this is a way to honor our bodies, to respect our bodies, to listen to our bodies. Anybody ever done a body scan before you know what I'm talking about? Okay. All right. It's easy. Um, It's exactly what it sounds like. Uh, We're going to check in with our body to see how it's doing. Um, Even as we're uh, engaging in this topic, you might be feeling some stress somewhere or some resistance or protection somewhere. And we're just going to check in and ask our body how it's doing. So I like to use my hands when I do this. Um, So we're going to start at the top of our heads and just kind of start poking around, going, hey, how you doing? You might find some pressure points that are a little tense between the eyebrows. Sometimes I go, ooh, I've been furrowing my eyebrows, didn't even know it. How you doing? Okay, the jaw, that's a good one right there. Just check in. And you're doing this with uh, love and non-judgmentalness, just noticing where you're tight, where you might be holding something. And then we go down to our neck. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, our shoulders, you might want to even say, thank you, shoulders, (laughs) for carrying all the things that you've carried this week. You're doing a good job. For me, this spot right here on the chest, some of us carry a lot of anxiety there. Yeah, just kind of check in. 
Take a deep breath. I also notice when God is getting my attention sometimes, it happens here too. So just pay attention. Sometimes I just kind of put my hand there and go, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? Okay, check in with your gut. It does a lot of hard work. You need to thank that, that gut there. You're doing a good job. I think we store a lot of things in our gut that we don't even realize. So take a couple more deep breaths. Hips. Uh, thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you can, just kind of feel down to your knees. They might be tired. Tell them it's okay. Okay, here's the test, right? <laughs> oh, these feet are good. I do a good job. Yeah, that's a body scan. Checking in. And one of the questions I want to be checking in with you on tonight is as we get into this topic of body, um, what might be some of your hopes that you bring to this conversation? Hopes for healing. Hopes for physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. Hopes for freedom from shame. Hopes that you might hear something from God this weekend that you need to hear. What are some of your hopes? And what are some of the fears that you bring to this? This can be a really vulnerable topic. And we all come at it from very, very different places and experiences. What are some of your fears? And so what we're going to do is we're actually going to break up into the small groups that we're going to use all weekend. I'm going to have both Jennifer and Morgan come up. Um, Jennifer is going to talk to us about how we do groups and how we do good conversation groups. And then Morgan's going to break us up. And once they're done, in your booklets here, you're going to see um, on the bottom of the Friday night notes page, we do have small group discussion questions that you can use, okay, in your small groups. All righty, Jennifer. Hi, glad you're here. So how we do small groups, just 101 in a minute or less. <laughs> um, first of all, in this community of women, it is always okay to pass. So if you're here tonight and you're already, there are things rising that you're going, I don't know the people in my group well enough to talk about these things. That's okay. Like there is a gift of being here. There is a gift of hearing other people's stories. Friends, there is a gift of being brave to share, but it is okay if that's not right now. And you might find that sometimes over the weekend you're ready to share and other times you're not. And it's okay to just say, hey, I'm going to pass this time. Okay, and nobody's going to scowl at you. Let's all practice this. We're not going to scowl at each other if they pass because sometimes people just need a little bit more time to process, okay? Second thing about being in a group is um, remember that some of us are verbal processors and some of us are internal processors. So the verbal processors need to be talking out loud to be thinking about what they think. <laughs> and the internal processors need it to be quiet in order to know what they think. <laughs> So verbal processors, that's me, word to the wise, um, 
let there be silence for an awkward amount of time because your internal processor friends are just figuring out what they want to say about it. And it's okay if it's quiet in the circle for a minute if, if somebody's working out what they want to say, okay? The third and final thing that I will say is this. It's really helpful in small groups if we remember that our role this weekend is not to save, rescue, take care of, or fix anyone else. Our role isn't to be in these groups to tell someone else how they're to do it. As a matter of fact, that feels belittling when someone else in the group says, oh, you just shared your struggle? I know how to fix that. <laughs> Everybody else knows how to fix it except for me. Um, it is such a gift when we can be present with each other and simply be present and keep pointing each other to Jesus and interact. And you guys, it's hard because sometimes we want, we want people to feel better. So we want to say, well, just try or do this. Resist the temptation to give each other advice. Let this small group time be a time of sharing, encouraging, pointing each other to Jesus, but not advice giving. Now, if you came with a friend and they look at you and say, what would you do about this? Have at it. Give all the advice you want to give, uh, but not necessarily in the small groups. Thank you. Okay, we're going to do small groups in here, and we're going to try to spread out as much as we can, but stay in your group as close as you feel comfortable doing. So some of you have requested to be in a group. Some of you have requested to do it solo. Um, and if you've requested to do it solo and you're deciding you would like to process in a group, just come up and let me know. So for group one, is going to meet up here by Danielle because it's Danielle and Marilee, Sarah, Anya, and Sarah Shoemaker. Um, you guys are going to be up here, group one. Group two, we're just going to have to get up and shift around. Okay, you may find that your seat got turned around or your stuff got moved a little bit, so just give grace and resettle. Thank you. Okay, as you're moving back to your spaces, there's one more thing about small groups that I want to tell you that I'm sorry that I forgot to say before this time, but it will serve us well for the rest of the weekend, and that's this. You might notice that when we're up here, we're taking our masks down for talking, and that's because the, the current rules say that if you are the current presenter, if you are in presenting mode, you can have your mask down so people can see your lips and hear you. And we are interpreting that into your small groups as well. So from now on for the rest of the weekend, when you are in your small group settings in here, if you are the one sharing, please feel free to pull your mask down so that the women can hear you better. And I know for some, it's helpful to see lips in order to be able to hear in a room that's kind of noisy. So again, I apologize. I didn't say that before, um, but feel free if you're the presenter to pull your mask down. All right, so this is kind of how the weekend is going to go. It's just going to go in and out of some teaching and discussion and journaling. So I'm, I'm going to do a little bit more teaching tonight that will set you up for a little bit of a journal exercise, okay? So if you are a note taker, uh, you may want to take notes on this. Uh, what I want to teach tonight is a concept um, that we're going to use throughout the weekend and a word that we're going to use throughout the weekend, and the word is agreement, Okay, you know what that word means. We do it all the time. It's how we do our everyday life. We make decisions. We may have opinions. We make agreements, disagreements. The way I'm using this word this weekend is I want us to start noticing some of the agreements that we have made about ourselves, our bodies, about God 
that are probably subconscious and could be causing us harm, okay? And they've come to us in very natural ways, in our family systems, in our culture that tells us lots of things, in our religious systems, and in other ways we have made agreements over time that could be causing us harm and causing us shame and getting in the way of this freedom that we're talking about, okay? So I'm going to give us some examples, and I think it'll start to click and make sense for you. Um, All of us grew up in some sort of a home, a family system, and when we were little girls, we kind of watched our mom for cues about beauty and our bodies and those and modesty and these kinds of values, right? Well, let's say that your mom believed that she needed to be thin, put together in order for your dad to love her, okay? That was the dynamic that was happening. And so what would you naturally do as a little girl and then a teenager in your home? You would probably, probably begin to agree with that way of thinking and being. Yes, I agree that I must be thin and put together in order for a man to love me. Does that make sense? That's an agreement that gets made. You probably didn't even think about it. It's subconscious, and it's just kind of the way your brain works on that topic. Uh, Here's another example. Um, As I think about my own children and how I've raised them, I signed them up for an agreement that maybe wasn't a good idea, and this is how this one goes. Every emotion has a food attached to it, (laughs) right? So let's say you had a hard day at school. Well, let's go to DQ and have a blizzard and talk about it. Um, You did great today. Good grade. Something fun happened. Let's get Froyo. We go to the grocery store when they're little, and they were well-behaved. They didn't jump out of the cart. So, of course, you go to the bakery and you get a cookie or a donut, okay? So none of this is evil parenting on my part, but I did sign them up for an agreement about how emotions and events are always attached to food. And my kids, who are now 22 and 24, are struggling with their relationship with food and emotions, okay? So those two examples that I'm using, I would call familial agreements. They happen within a family system, just naturally. Some of our our agreements are beautiful and godly, and some of them actually, I'm going to call them unholy, not from God's heart, not from God's design or desires for us. And if we can start to recognize these kinds of agreements, we can also learn to disagree with them, okay? Um, So familial agreements is one kind. Second, cultural agreements that we make because of what we're hearing around us, what we're seeing on billboards and magazines and social media um, and and what what we watch on the screen. So here's a couple of potential cultural uh, agreements uh, that we've experienced as women. Uh, Let's see. Okay, women should be strong, independent, and sexy. They also should be great moms, great lovers, great friends, great cooks, great decorators, great volunteers, and the list goes on and on and on, right? Okay? Um, And I think some of us have probably signed up for that agreement, these cultural expectations. Here's another one. Um, Women should definitely avoid getting old at all costs. (laughs) No wrinkles, no saggy boobs, 
No expanding waistlines, no decrease in energy, stamina, or libido. Okay, you get what I'm going after here? Okay, so that's just one example of cultural agreements. Third kind of agreement I'm going to talk about is religious, okay? Even if you came from an amazing religious structure community system, we still teach each other things that aren't of God. It happens all the time, okay? Or we absorb things in ways that God didn't intend for us to. So here is an example of a, of a religious agreement. Uh, many of us grew up in a religious system that taught us that sex is a topic that should be very controlled and very quiet. Until you get to youth group where you are taught again and again and again and again, do not have sex before marriage, okay? That is the only thing that you need to know about sex right now. And once you get married, it's going to be easy and it's going to be great. Um, so, can you imagine uh, this narrative, how it is fraught with agreements that may maybe God did not intend us to make? So, for example, let's say you do get married and you find out that sex is quite complicated, maybe not as great as somebody told you. But I agreed that's how it's supposed to work and I'm so confused right now. What about the agreement that we might make that... Fulfillment and satisfaction only happens once you get married. But you're not married. It's not on the horizon, okay? So does that make sense? These kinds of even religious agreements that we make, the values, uh, a belief system that maybe isn't from God and could be causing us harm. I'm calling those unholy agreements. So what I want us to do this weekend is to begin to have eyes for those. And the way we do that, yes, is with our, our brain, our, um, uh, our wisdom, but mostly the way we do that is with Holy Spirit. Because God's pretty smart. <laughs> he sees things we don't see. He can bring up stuff we don't know to bring up, especially in the subconscious. And so our journal exercising is going to start tonight, and I'm going to give you a chance to start thinking about these three kinds of agreements. Um, and you'll notice on your journal page that there's quite a few little prompts and questions. These are not like assignments in school to be turned in, to be completed, you know, in, in 20 minutes, and then I'm going to grade it. I'm not, I'm not going to look at it, okay? And this actually is not something that you can complete in the next 15 or 20 minutes. It's just the start of an idea and a thought process and a conversation with spirit. Does that make sense? Okay, so if you guys will all open up to your packets, you're going to find journal part one, Friday night, identifying unholy Agreements, that's what it's called. And I'm going to give us 15, maybe 20 minutes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah? No? Jennifer says what? We do. Okay, I'm going to give us 10 minutes. Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, and Melissa's going to turn on a little bit of music. This is on our own. And just begin to process with Holy Spirit about this concept. Two things, because I'm the ogre who said only 10 minutes. Um, there's time this weekend. Come back to this. If you're just getting started, spend some time with this. 
Um, the other thing, why was I coming up here? Oh, I know some of you don't have your booklet with you tonight. Maybe you didn't get a chance to um, check in before you arrived or you left it over there, didn't know you'd need it. So let me just give you some general parameters for what women are reading in this book if you're doing this without a book right now, okay? Um, so those three areas that Laura just talked about, the familial body values, the cultural body values, and those religious body values, and just be asking Holy Spirit and thinking about what kind of things did your parents tell you or do or what do you remember noticing? Maybe from culture, think about what your peer groups um, have said over the years and modeled. Um, and maybe religious, think about some of the things you've been taught if you grew up in the church. So just kind of be um, unpacking a little bit more of what she said is what, what people are reading here in the book. Okay.
So um, <clears throat> you might be disappointed to hear that we're not going to.